Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Podnuts World Service. Please let us know what you think and tell other people about us on social media. Podcasts from the Podnuts World Service are supported by Podnutsians and advertising. Hey, hey, Podnutians, welcome to DDG episode 17. My name is Door to Door Geek, owner, operator, president of Podnuts.com. Podnuts.com, all kinds of tech podcasts focusing on anything from computer repair, uh, enterprise support, uh, discovery, and reviewing technology, uh, all kinds of Android-related topics, Linux-related topics, Raspberry Pi-type topics, all found at Podnuts.com. Please do not forget, go and rate and review the other shows on the network. Every little bit of feedback helps everybody involved. Uh, first, I want to do a really quick health-type update. Um, and the health-type update is basically just Thanksgiving. Uh, this is the United States Thanksgiving where we sit re- where we typically sit around and just eat until we cannot move anymore, and then we eat a little bit more. Um, historically, I ate everything uh, that I could possibly get a hold of uh, last year and this year. I've definitely been doing a lot less eating. Um, I will say this year the number one thing that I ate quantity-wise was probably deviled eggs and cheese. Um, and that's primarily because of my diet restrictions that I've, are more or less self-imposed now. Um, I did not partake in a great many things. I did have a small like tablespoon size helping of uh, stuffing. And that's because my uh, mother-in-law and sister-in-law make unbelievably fantastic stuffing. So if I am going to eat it, it's going to be from them. So I will say I did have a little bit of that. But um, for the most part, just relaxed, took it easy, did not travel, will not travel, um, stayed close, stayed local, uh, tried to enjoy the holiday. Mainly it was just peace and quiet. Uh, Kids are going a little bit crazy, but that's, you know, normal. Um, I did bring my GPD, my portable Android gaming uh, clamshell rig with me, and I did load up uh, my Nintendo 64 emulator and loaded Ocarina of Time and did tweak the settings to where I finally got the uh, settings on that game to be as perfect as I can get them. Uh, It is really, really fun to play. Uh, Controls are not perfect, but they are definitely really good being a afterthought kind of thing um so that that so i had a good time um i will say a co-worker uh that i've known for many years uh had basically a heart attack a couple days ago passed away and it just reinforced to me that everybody needs to take time out of their day especially this time of year um take at least a little bit of time out of every week contact somebody else uh from your past somebody in your friend network somebody in your family network somebody and just uh, communicate with them. Let uh, people around you know that you are okay, hopefully. Uh, or if you do need help, ask for help. Uh, and ask other people if they need any help. Um, this is the most stressful time of year in all measures, whether it be financial, because you want to make sure you get the kids all of the gifts. You want to make sure you get your spouse that one gift. Uh, or <clears throat> just because of uh, all of the traffic and heartaches and headache going on. If you work in retail, there's no doubt. This is a horrendous time of year. If you work in shipping, no doubt this is a horrendous time of year. Um, So I really do ask that everyone just take a little time out of your day. uh, Take a little time out of your week. 
contact people that you know and just check on them, make sure everybody's okay. Because I will say this is the most accidental death time of the year. And we have to look out for each other because nobody else will. Uh, for the most part, the diet is still going really good. Uh, still primarily just eating uh, cheeses, eggs, sausage, lunch meat, that kind of thing. Um, I will say I'm trying to keep my calorie count, the total quantity of food down each day, which is not easy um, because I now feel like liberated to where I can have a couple more pieces of cheese or I could have another piece of meat or I could have another piece of uh, food and I'll be okay because I'm doing so good with my diet. Um, That is a mental trap that I'm trying to avoid. Um, I will say I do think I'm still losing a weight, but I'm losing it obviously at a much, much slower rate. Um, I don't know my eye color. I didn't know my hair color as a kid. Now I know it's gray. Um, I don't know my height. I don't know these kind of things about myself because why would I? But I don't know it. So when we went to um, one of the pharmacies and I sat down, did the blood pressure thing and all that, my wife said I was 5'7". I don't know. So I'm going to go with I'm 5'7". And my weight is right around 173 right now. I really do have a goal. I want to lose more weight than that, but we'll have to see if that's actually plausible. Um... One of the things I did watch was a Penn Gillette video about him losing weight. I will say anybody who takes their dietary advice from Penn Gillette or Door to Door Geek, you're an idiot. Go talk to a doctor, talk to somebody obviously more educated than us to actually know what's going on. Everybody has their own body. Everybody has their own issues. Everybody has their own things they have to take care of. So make sure you go through a doctor. But um, his diet, he lost, uh, it was over 100 pounds, he said. Um and and his diet seemed much more, I don't want to say open, but m- 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 much more open to do different things than his diet. Um, uh, and then you hit this wall. W- one of the things he said in a video I watched was, uh, his logic was, you first lose all the weight, and then you start doing physical activity. And I kind of agree with that. Um, I will say, though, the problem with physical activity is physical activity needs energy energy needs food thus you're going to eat more because you're doing more energetic things so then it's a very careful balance you got to be careful of not to eat too much because you will put on weight uh, a lot of movement exercises uh, are 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 in fact strength based whether it's even running or uh cala you're still moving muscle you still have the possibility of tearing muscle so you are going to be putting on some sort of mass. So you got to just be aware of that. Take that into consideration and take your time with it. Uh, all I do now is I just walk. I um, walk at least uh, two or two or three times a week is my goal. Um, at work, um, state of Maryland law dictates if you work more than five hours, you have to get a half an hour break. And if you work, I think it's more than seven hours, you have to get two 15-minute breaks and a, and a half hour lunch breaks. That's about an hour worth of total time. Uh, I've been walking. My natural rate of walking is faster than I think normal. Uh, But what my logic is, is I was kicking up the speed just a little bit more while doing those walks. Um, Because to me, exercise is merely the act of accelerated heart rate. So I would walk a little bit faster until I know my heart was, you know, beating a little bit faster. Uh, In fact, it might have been 31 to, to degrees outside but i was still getting hot while walking so i was pretty convinced that i was walking fast enough uh i was walking um roughly by the step counter on my phone 
about uh, 10,000 steps or just about five miles in about an hour. Uh, and I try to do that at least two to three times a week. Um, I've always been a walker uh, from my youth. Uh, anywhere I had to go, I had no problem walking, even if it was four or five plus miles away. Uh, so this is okay. Um, I am a little bit hesitant to do anything greater than that right now, especially because I have a partially torn meniscus on one of my knees. I have ligament damage on both ankles. Uh, I have uh, shoulder damage on my right shoulder. I have some back issues. So I try not to overexert myself because the last thing I want to do is create a injury that, that would make me move even less. Um, numbers are still looking good. I do believe January, I finally have another follow-up with my doctor. Um, he pushed the last appointment out to be, I think I want to say six months away because he thought I was doing in air quotes fine. Um, so hopefully here in January, I'll get more good news from the doctor and we'll have to see how that turns out. Um, one of the last episodes I talked about the PBS documentary called the, um, the cleaners. Um, I will say I, I did share it with more than a couple people back and forth. Okay. I, I'm going to go through a couple emails. Um, I will say the person on the other end did not give me any permission to, uh, do this. So I'm not going to say their name. I'm going to first start with my email that I sent to a coworker. Uh, and I will say this, um, I really do try to, uh, communicate with people I consider to be at least in some measurable aspect, more in, more in, um, intelligent than myself. Uh, I, I at least think I enjoy communicating with people who I consider to be smarter than myself because I believe it helps me at least see a little bit differently and open my eyes to different things. Okay. Um, uh, so I sent the email to a coworker about the, um, the, um, cleaners and, uh, this was basically, uh, the response I got back. This is really fascinating. I am still struggling to wrap my emotion around it. In one sense, I am of the strong belief that people should be allowed to express their views freely without any form of censorship, and I think the internet does that. On the other hand, freedom of expression requires a certain level of ma of maturity by all, but more by the consumer to the view or not having the view available to content. So I'm, I'm going to say that part over again. On the other hand, freedom of expression requires a certain level of maturity by all, but more by the consumer to view or not, maturity to view or not, and um, to view the available content. Having this said, I fully agree that it is next to impossible to ask the mass as everyone has different level of consciousness. With the proliferation of the internet, good and bad contents are all around us. At some point, we have to use we have to hold ourselves a, um, a accountable as to how we use our time. Now, I fully understand what I just stated was a elitist statement. I really like the young man from San Fran who is in technology, who is a technological ethicist. I can't even say that right. And his view that there is certain amount of responsibility that the technology has as it can in, um, impact 2 billion people. The proliferation of tech is far-reaching, and as we see in this case of Rohingya crisis in Myanmar, it could be used for ill purposes and to expand genocide. To me, the root of all evil is 
the human tendency of not respecting other human life. If we go back through history, we have used different tools, whether it was screaming from the mountaintops, newspaper, radio, TV, and now the internet to format whatever twisted views we have. It just happens that the internet is more accessible and has made the bullhorn available to everyone. At that end, my hope is that as humans, we focus more on what we have in common than what divides us. Maybe this is too big of a wish, and the only time that may come true is if there is a existential threat from outside of our planet. But one has hope as far as the oh, phone screen went dark on me. As far as the content editors, I consider it another form of capitalism, outsourcing tasks to cheaper labor and less focused on workers' rights. Despite the advance of AI, it still needs the human touches as for now. This, my friend, is my view after watching this documentary. Again, thank you for sharing and letting me know your thoughts. Okay, and I had one more reply. Let me see if I can find that. Okay, now this is going to be a longer one. Oh my goodness, this is so long. Um, okay, uh, so I re I replied back. I follow the exact same line as you most of the way. My personal issue isn't with Facebook, Twitter, or or Insta, whatever, or any single walled silo of information. It's just with the idea of a global monolithic platform that we as users have zero control within. I'm going to take a breath there, okay? My issue is with the global monolithic platform. So it's a platform that literally can reach the poorest sections of the world and the richest parts of the world where we as users have literally zero control over anything going on on that platform. Yes, we can post content, but we have zero control of how that content is displayed or who gets to see it. Okay, um, here's more email. Um, speaking of e, um, elitist, we are of the 1%. If you look at the world population and convert all the money to a single unit of measurement, you find out anybody in the United States making over 20000 it's actually, I think, closer to 22000 if I remember what I read, is literally in the 1% of the world's population. We surround ourselves with the 1% and seem only to look directly at others in the 1% for any length of time. It's like we've been bred to think that the other 99% really isn't too bad or that it isn't really much different when, in fact, 20,000 kids under five years old die every day from treatable things that we here in the 1% take for granted. Um, it's actually, I want to say, closer to 15,000 kids under five, and I want to say it's 20,000 kids under seven. So there are tens of thousands of people dying every day under the age of five, a.k.a. innocent people is the way I put them, people who didn't really do anything bad, nobody who I think people would say deserves it. Um, that are dying every single day while we in our ivory towers as the 1% worry about what color phone I have or does this uh, beef bourguignon have too much salt in it? You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Um, and I'm not really comfortable with that. Uh, people ask, like, where does depression come from? Depression can come from 
factual based things like this, like how the rest of the world is not as good off as we like to imagine it is. And we have hordes of innocent people every day, innocent children every day dying. And, you know, it isn't getting better fast enough for them, is my opinion. Okay, so here's more of the email. Um, so with that said, I don't like it when one small, single platform is controlled by weird people. And weird is an acronym, W-E-I-R-D, defined as Western Educated in Industrialized Rich and Demo and Democratic. And I give a link to a Wikipedia psychology contemporary issues in methodology and practice. And they mentioned weird. Um, I don't like the fact that everything that we take for granted in our daily 1% life is basically being controlled by this 1% of 1% of people, which are classified as weird because uh, they don't represent the rest of the world. Yeah, they try to bring in uh, people from different cultures, different ethnicities, but for the most part, you know, we don't do a great job at that. Um, okay, I don't like the fact that weird people have so much influence over so many people with such little effort and with such financial gains in direct opposition to the openness and personal freedom and privacy, while a smaller percentage of us E, um, e elitists get offended and demand that these large platforms to do everything to pro to pro protect us from o, o offending content. When we see something that we call horrifying or violent to others, this is just something that happened right down that street on Tuesday. Uh, for us to demand our worldview is clean and fitting with our 1% view of the world is to ignore everything going wrong with the world. Right now, today in 2018, we have more living slaves than versus all the slaves that have lived and died in all time. But we as the 1% just want to know what's the number one movie or which round slash oval ball team won this week? Um, the the world is harsh. The world is violent. The world is mean, and nothing in in life is fair. I think having a world social media platform will always offend. Will always be desirable thing to con to control for governments, larger NGOs, and for companies. Back in the day, we didn't have monolithic web silos that had pressure from government and advertisers. Who wants to control speech, regulate what is said, how it's said, when it's said, and the others that want to create a viral platform that gets shares and likes for 16 plus hours a, a, um, a day from each and every human resource on that platform. If we wanted to seek out something oh, um, oh, offensive, disgusting, or nasty, I'd say it was actually easier and faster 10 years ago versus now. All we had to do was go to 4chan and voila, anything we were looking for that was disgusting, offensive, you'd be able to find really quick. Um, I really like freedom of speech. I feel it enables me to spot bad people fast. 
much faster than in a oppressed society. Thus, I know who to not interact with and who could genuinely be a good person. I also agree with you. We as humans should first and foremost respect ourselves, respect our families, respect our greater family and everyone else as true equals and and comprehend that our normal is just our normal and others have completely different perspectives on life. I also believe we as humans should do anything and everything in our power to lift all humans to the highest quality of living possible and not break up into tribes. But tribalism is a completely different rabbit hole that I believe we as humans instinctively suffer from and will take a thousands of years for us to get out of our systems. So I try not in par so I, I try and not partake on global platforms that I have no control over. I feel like par participating is like casting a vote in a ballot for these systems, these companies, these governments, and these larger NGOs and companies that try to control them. I know that I am missing out on a lot of stuff, but I also feel like I am more connected with the people that I do connect with outside of these platforms. I keep looking for knowledge and experience in what it means to be human and how tech shapes and changes us and how we shape and change tech. I will keep sending you stuff I think that I find enlightening. And he used to say that was a really long email. He did not reply to me partially because I really don't think he has the time to sit down and read anything lengthy. Um, most of the people, I'll just put it like this. Most of the people I know in state government that come from other states or other agencies to our agency are shocked and blown away at the number of people we have in our agency that are smart. Don't get me wrong. We have stupid people. Everywhere is stupid people. We went over this last episode. But the people we have at my agency who are smart, I really do consider to be um, really like focused, hyper-focused, and really smart on their topics. Um, and then we have a, more than a couple people who I really do consider to be much more human than the average person and intelligent and nice and cordial and respectful and all that kind of thing. And he's one of those guys, but because he is like unbelievably nice, it means he gets unbelievably pounded every day. Uh, in the normal world, it's the squeaky wheel that gets the reefs, the, um, grease in government work. It's kind of the opposite. Uh, the squeaky wheel gets ignored and bypassed and the people that do good work get pounded to do 10 times more work. And I'm not complaining. That's what I live for. That's what I thrive for. I like being a value. I like being an asset. I like being desirable. I like being effective. I like being efficient. I like being beneficial to the overall system. Uh, and so does he, this, um, guy, guy on the other side of the email. So I don't think he has any time to sit around and read my non-important emails, but I might get a response in a day or two, but that's my gist of why I do not partake in these closed silos of information. Um, my tagline on Lunch for the Rest of Us is, if you do not have root, you do not know who does. Well, on Facebook, we know who does. Mark has root. On Twitter, 
we know we don't have root ebb and the other guys do um you know so we are literally being controlled we are literally being manipulated and you know look everybody is manipulated since the beginning of time whether it was religion trying to influence a family's life or a community's life or whether it be facebook trying to get more clicks there's a level of manipulation in each manipulation onto itself is not bad it just is a thing it's not good it's just a thing how people use it how much they use it and why they use it determines whether it's good or bad um so i decided let me get creeped out a little bit more um one of the first uh, lines in the notes is going to be to a website called thecreepyline.com. Uh, the Creepy Line is basically a documentary again. And this documentary is just chock full of white people, white men, I believe. And there's one white woman. Sorry, there's one white woman. They, I guess, got a token woman to be in here. Um this was a interesting documentary is the way I'm going to put it. Um, where it's basically all about how Google and Facebook are creepy. Um, there's a couple people in this, uh, documentary who are obviously pretty smart guys. They also are very good at verbing things to try to cause the most impact. Um, there is like, you know, you can say what you want about any of this. The only thing that we know is that we really don't know where these companies are going to stop. Some of us believe if we wait until they decide where they're going to stop, it's going to be too late. Things are going to be bad. Things are going to be worse. Things are going to be horrible. There are other people that believe, you know, these people have good intentions and they're going to figure it out. Um, I will say um, I'm formally against regulation on everything unless it has to be there kind of thing. Like um, I don't want to regulate just because it could be beneficial. I want proof it's going to be beneficial. Uh, and I am starting to believe that these large monolithic silos of information are going to need some kind of regulation. And I'm very cautious when I say some kind of regulation because we don't know. That's all thing. It's really hard to say. Um, uh, they do point out in this documentary, The, the Creepy Line, um, that once you as a platform start to edit other people's content, then you have to take re responsibility legally. It says you have to start to then, you know, um, be held a, um, a, um, a accountable for all the content on your site. Um, so this is why I, I honestly, I don't blame Facebook. I don't blame Google. I don't blame Twitter. I don't blame Instagram. I don't blame any of these services for doing what they have to in air quotes do. Because once you say to yourself, self, me as a Facebook executive, we don't want child porn on our website. Once you say to yourself that statement, that means you are editing the content. Once you are editing the content, you now can be legally held responsible for all of your content. So some people would say that's a slippery slope. I say that's not a slippery slope. That's jumping off a cliff. You know, there is all or nothing. There is nothing between. Um. And here's why I'm not going to jump on MeWe. Here's why I'm not going to be on Mastodon. Here's why I'm not going to be on any of those sites. Because any site that gets a sufficient number of users will suffer from the exact same issue. 
Because once there's too much child porn on MeWe, once there's too much hate speech on Mastodon, or once there's whatever activity on whatever platform, that platform then has its due diligence to try to get rid of that content. And once they get rid of that content, it's much easier for the government to hold them more a um a um a accountable for the rest of their content and then it becomes desirable for the government to set rules on what they can and cannot show on their site so i am utterly against all global silos of information i do like mattermost mattermost is a server it's a pretty irc that i have installed on a server where it's an invite only basis Somebody has to send me an email and say, Dor, I would like to be on your server. I send them an email with an invite code where they come and they log in. And now they're on a platform that isn't visible by Google, that isn't visible by Facebook, that isn't searchable by anybody except for the people that are on it. So the likelihood of having these random drive-by religious, political, um, or anti-sexist or racist or whatever content, it doesn't happen because we are a controlled environment. Um, dare I say, like China. So then we don't have to worry about these kind of regulations coming down on us. Those are the platforms that I like being on, where there's literally a person-to-person connection. I don't want all of my connections to go through companies. Uh, and in this uh, creepy line video, you know, it's white guy after white guy after white guy, and then, oh, a white woman, and then a white guy, and then a white guy. Uh, one of the guys in the video, I'll just say this, the easiest way to identify him is, he is quite overweight, and he has, uh, I want to say dreads in his hair. He has some kind of braided hair. Uh, he's been in the tech world for a long time. This guy helped basically develop the Power Glove, the Nintendo Power Glove. Okay, so he's been around a long time. Um, there's definite points about his uh, things that he's saying that, because uh, I've listened to a lot of him. He's a really smart guy. He's maybe one of the smarter tech guys that there is, but he also has a little bit of extra paranoia mixed in with that juice. Is it justified? I don't know. Is it unjustified? I don't know. Uh, I know I listen to him as much as I listen to uh, anybody else, and I just digest what he says, and I come to my own con um, conclusions on if he's crazy or not. And I don't think he is. I think he's a really smart guy, and I think he has a lot of valid points. Um but right now, surprise, the creepy line isn't available on Google Play. Who would have thought it? But you have to go to Amazon, uh, I believe, or Apple to watch this documentary. I watched it on Amazon Prime. I'm getting ready to cancel my Prime, but I still have it. So I sat down last night, and this was one of the things I watched. I think this was a good follow-up uh, for my personal stream from going from the cleaners to the creepy line. I think they both made for good, good content, and if you watch both of them, you're going to want to get off of Gmail. You're going to want to get off of Facebook. You're going to want to get off of Twitter. Um, you know, and you might do it, you might not. But really the question isn't, are you on or off of them? The question is, do you as a user realize that they are tools and they're using you for profit margin? Thus, you have to be careful with what content you give them, whether it be just what do you search for on these platforms or what pictures do you upload on these platforms? Uh, we need to really become a self-auditing tool on these platforms or else they're going to get a lot more information on us than we like care to give. Um, okay, another thing I watched last night. Uh, well, actually, first I'm going to quote this. This is the definition of confirmation bias. Uh, 
confirmation bias is a very pow- powerful thing, especially in the world of the internet, uh, where we have a nasty habit of uh, being in a self-reinforcing filter bubble. Uh, because these search engines know us, when we search for things, they give us things that they know we want to see because based upon our, our history. Example is, if I always look up um, meat recipes, whether it be brisket, ribs, steak, pork, or chicken, when I try to find healthy things to eat, they're going to give me more meat-related articles because they know I'm interested in meat. That's the, that is the uh, ba- basic definition of a filter bubble, and it's a real thing. And the, and the, um, and the um, confirmation bias reinforces the filter bubble. Okay, here's how confirmation bias is defined by Wikipedia. A confirmation bias, also called confirmatory bias or my side bias, is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms one's pre-existing beliefs or hypothesis. It is a type of cognitive bias and a systemic error of inductive reasoning. That is a lot of words. Okay. All it means is we as people are stupidly blind to things that go against what we believe. Okay. If I believe in baby Jesus and Jesus and the Bible and, you know, uh, this is the one true religion, all these other people are going to go to hell. Uh, If then evidence or facts come out in direct contradiction to that, I will interpret it as the people that wrote this is an idiot. They're spreading lies. We look to confirm all of our biases in everything we do every day, whether it's, I believe um, gas cars are killing the planet. So Tesla must be right. Tesla must be good. Tesla cannot do wrong. Uh, It is, it is one of those things that in fact are in every corner of our psyche and they're in every single decision that we do. They're in every observation that we do. We all have confirmation bias. And these platforms do a very good job of supporting confirmation bias is one of the things. Um, okay, now one of the other things I watched was an interview. It was like an hour-long interview with, I cannot pronounce this guy's name, so I'm really sorry. He is the uh, Japanese uh, scientist, Mikaku Kaku, I can't say his name. You know who I mean. The long gray haired, uh, Japanese scientist, theoretical physicist, physicist. And in reality, I'm not really a fan of his. I'm not really a fan of his when I found out he's the guy behind string theory. And it's not that I'm against string theory, but I think string theory at the moment is promising much more than it can deliver, at least that I perceive in its future. Um, they're having a very difficult time getting even past like chapter one in string theory. Um, I, you know, they might prove me wrong and they might do great things and they might redefine the very structure and fabric of the universe. But I right now no. but he is a really smart guy. There's no doubt in my mind. He's a really smart guy. He comes off a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky, but uh, I don't blame him for that. Um, he did go to Harvard after all. He does teach at New York University uh, kind of thing. So you'll have that. Uh, with that said, uh, this hour-long interview I thought was uh, it, it was kind of eye-opening on how he sees everything. 
um, how he was born, what his parents did, uh, the um, issues they had literally being sent to camps because they were Japanese in the U.S. during uh, the, the um, World Wars kind of thing. Um, so there should be a level of resentment, I would say, that comes with that. Yet it does seem like him and his family um, don't hold resentment against the, this country, which, again, would be, I think, very easy for them to do, and they don't. So I think they're better people for that. Uh, instead, they made sure that their kids just got a great education, uh, and they, um, you know, went and they went out into the world and tried to do good. And and, and I think they are. Uh, the interview with him, I think, was uh, really good. It wasn't too hard. It wasn't too hardcore. It, it was an interview excerpt from CNN, uh, not CNN, uh, C-SPAN, C-SPAN, where it's painfully obvious the guy giving the interview is like even older than the scientist. And the scientist, I want to say, was in his 60s. Clearly, the interview is clearly, clearly older than he is and clearly doesn't understand a lot about a lot of detailed science is what I'll say. Um, so the first couple minutes are just very basic questions. What is an asteroid? What is a galaxy? What is a meteor? What's the difference between a meteor and a meteorite kind of thing? Uh, but it was good to at least uh, give the viewer that doesn't know the scientist the good basis of this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, and I thought that was, you know, kind of a good interview, good thing. So last night, you know, I don't watch anything. Last night I watched the creepy line. Then I watched this interview and then I, uh, and I saw this video in my YouTube feed and I decided to sit down and watch it. And this is the history of crash course. Um, I've mentioned uh, crash course in the past. <clears throat> crash course is a product project by the V log brothers, which is dating myself. Just saying that, um, basically two brothers. One is, uh, uh, a, writer with some popularity the other one is just basically a nerd smart nerd who also just wrote a book uh but they wanted to do more educational focused videos um so they started uh crash course and sci show um one brother is basically the president of one one is the president of the other uh they got basically google grants to start doing these two channels and i will say they are two of the higher quality channels that try not to be biased Sometimes when they are biased, it is very obvious that they're biased and they make, and they don't hide the fact that they're biased and they say they're biased about certain things. Um, but in general terms, the education they offer on these channels, I do believe is, um, useful, uh, easy to digest, easy to understand and very valuable is what I'll say. Um, they say that there are literally schools showing their crash course videos inside of classrooms. I personally think that's awesome. Um, I think it's important for kids to hear more than their individual teacher say things. They, you know, make sure they understand more people believe these things than just their teachers. Um, I don't think they hear a lot about what they are taught in school outside of school. Um, and this was basically a history of crash course goes through a lot of the different people on the team, uh, goes through how their animations get done, who does them, uh, how do people join the team? How did the team start kind of thing? History of crash course. Um, and because I'm a disgusting, dirty pirate and I use YouTube DL and I copy all their stuff from Crash Course down to my local computer, uh, thus they don't get the views on YouTube for me as many as I watch them, uh, nor do they get the ad revenue from my YouTube premium service that I still have. 
So what I did was I decided to go over to patreon.com slash crash course, and I signed up for three, for three dollars a month. Um, there are a lot of people out there who I give money to, to create content. And it's really a selfish thing. I'm giving you money to keep doing this content because I like your content. You agree with me. You do things the way I like doing them. So I give you money. Um, but Crash Course, I will say I'm giving not for my personal satisfaction, but literally to support these people to do more videos because I do believe that they are trying to educate as many people as possible using real human language that's not college level. Uh, and I think they do a really good job at it. Um, so I did sign up to their Patreon. I do plan on staying with their Patreon. Uh, I don't know how long, but I will definitely uh, do that for at least now. Um, and there is one Arthur C. Clarke quote that I want to say um, in regards to technology, uh, you know, good, bad, and different. Um, you know, all the things going on, um, all the things that other companies are, you know, in air quotes, trying to do to us is what I'll say. Um, okay. Here's the quote that's in the beginning of the movie, the, um, the creepy line. It's like one of the very first things you see. And it's a quote from Arthur C. Clarke. And if you don't know who Arthur C. Clarke is, um, he is definitely one of the smarter guys in history. Uh, who was also a science fiction author. This is the guy who said, uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, it basically, is what he said. And I do think there's definite truth to that. The example is, and it's given in the movie, The um, Cleaners, you go back 200 years, everybody was dirty, everybody was farmers, everybody did manual labor, essentially. Um, you go 200 years in the future, I'm not sure we would even recognize the technology that's going on there because it's so foreign to us. Okay? But here's the quote that's in the, in the very beginning of the movie. And I could not find if this came from a book or just from him talking, but this was the Arthur C. Arthur C. Clarke quote. Before you become too entranced with these gorgeous gadgets and mesmerizing video di displays, let me remind you that information is not knowledge. Knowledge is not wisdom, and wisdom is not foresight. Each grows out of the other, and we need them all. That took a couple seconds. I literally paused it on the screen and read that like five or six times, partially because I can't read a lot, partially because it's hard for me to bring this stuff in, but partially just to grok what was going on here. Okay, before you become too entranced with gorgeous gadgets, and mesmerizing video displays. Slow down, Roy Rogers. Take it easy. Uh, just because something is initially stimulating to us, we have to remember that information and knowledge and wisdom and foresight are not equal. They're all different things. They all require different, I'll say, personalities, different histories, different perspectives on life, on life and they all need to coalesce into what we call consciousness is the way I put it. Um, you know, I, if we had these four things and we gave them all numbers, uh, we would all have different numbers. Some of us wildly different numbers, some of us shockingly different numbers, but the bottom line is we, one person cannot do everything. We need all of these different things in order to do it. Um, they, in that movie, talked a lot about algorithms algorithms and algorithms uh thankfully they didn't 
go on and on about AI or machine learning. Um, but here's really all you got to know about one of the reasons why Google ranks so high. Uh, machine learning is just a word to try to confuse people. There's no such thing as machine learning. The machine doesn't learn. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. To learn is some ephemeral thing that happens. These are digital binary devices. They don't learn. They become, in the algorithm, they can just do better at what they did the first time. Because that's the whole thing. Machine learning, all machine learning is that there's now a cycle. What used to be the garbage output of the computer becomes the input of the computer. So it's self-reinforcing. Now, in Google, the machine learning, the loop algorithm is you go there, you type something, you search, you click something, they record what you searched for, what you clicked on. Thus, the next time you do a search, those go into the input of the next result. So that is machine learning. What happened is then fed back into a feedback loop to help the next time you do it for it to be what it thinks is better. And that is machine learning. Machine learning just means the output now becomes the input and it's a never-ending infinite loop. There is no stopping of this algorithm building process. Um, and then what Google does is they literally try to have basically a billion plus different algorithms for a billion plus different people because we all have our own little biases, our own little quirks. Um, as long as code is written by persons, code will have biases. And if code is written by a machine, well, the initial code was written by a human. So it will too have biases. I don't think it's possible or plausible for us humans, us stupid flesh balls, I don't think it's possible for us to create anything on a computer that doesn't have bias, period. Which is why I like smaller, local, neighborhood communities of information and communications. Because when I see digital post in Matter Most, or I see Diver post on Discord, I know what their bias is. I like their bias. I revel in their bias. So I know when I see something, it's going to be leaned or slanted towards their personal bias. We as humans don't understand that when you go to Bing, when you go to Yahoo, when you go to any of these search sites and you type, the bias behind it is there. It's always there. It's the nature of the world. It's like trying to have an unbiased news source. It basically doesn't exist because it's too difficult to not be biased as long as there's a human involved. Uh, I've been rambling, bumbling, and stumbling now for about an hour. Um, there, there was actually a lot more notes I wanted to bring to this show, but I don't have time this week. Um, the the uh, one thing I want to end off with is uh, a, like a product review is what I'm going to say. Uh, I have, here's what I'll say to uh, people. Um, um, headphones. Uh, I was a wired headphone fanatic for the longest time. Now, basically, I'm fully aboard with a Bluetooth, Bluetooth uh, scene because I did find Bluetooth headphones that have mono-only mode. And what I mean is I can have one in at a time, either one doesn't matter, turn it on and it will work and it will say, and it will do everything. And then when that battery goes dead, I can turn the other one on and use that. So I basically get twice my time out of my podcast listening. Um, for instance, yesterday I listened to 20 hours of podcast. Uh, in 2018, I listened to 185 days worth of podcast. Uh, so my headphones get a lot of usage out of them. Uh, the 
headphones I like are called One Voice. Uh, uh, it is the number one V-O-I-C-E. Um, and these l- look like little cylinders is the best way I'm going to put it. Um, if you just go to Amazon, I'm going to use Amazon because everyone seems to love Amazon. Uh, when I come into Amazon, uh, not logged in is what I'm going to say, which I still think there's going to be a bias because Amazon ain't stupid. Uh, but when I come here and I just go to Amazon and I do a search for one voice, all one word, space Bluetooth, it's literally the very first one because they know me so well. It's one voice, one VP, HP, zero four wireless Bluetooth headphones, black. They look like black cylinders with a little nub hanging off where the earpiece is. These are really small, really tiny, never fall out of my ear. They come with different caps, mono mode, so you can use one at a time. I literally bought two pairs of these, so I have four of them in my case. Uh, independently, I can pick any one of them up, turn it on, put it in my ear, and voila, it's working. I don't have to ever have two in my ear. Um, they go for around three hours uh, a- after a year of beating the crap out of these things. Because I have two pairs now. One pair is over a year to two years old. The other pair is just about eight, nine months old. Uh, the good new pair, I get easily four hours of listening time straight and out of the older ones i get at least two two and a half hours of listening time um these are by far one of the best things i have because i can just have one in my ear while i do my housework while i do my dishes while i do my work while i do my walking while i do whatever i'm doing and i can still hear everything around me uh they're not crazy you know um expensive and uh i do believe that the quality of Bluetooth connection is more determined on the other end of the Bluetooth connection, the phone, the tablet, or whatever. Uh, with this new phone, I can easily leave my phone on my middle floor. I live in a three-story house. Each floor is around 700 square feet. Uh, I can easily leave my phone on the middle floor towards one side of the house and basically go anywhere in my house and still be connected to my device. Um, yes, when I get by the edges, when I get further away, they signal will will drop out but for the most part it just works really good it's really hard to beat these for the prices what i want to say they're one of the very few headphones out there that are truly mono mode to where you don't have to have both in and either one can act as a a unit on all to itself um so you can literally have you buy one pair of these have two of them have each one paired to a different device and they'll never conflict. They'll never get confused. They'll never crash. They'll never conflict with each other. They will just work. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite, uh, most used gadgets uh, that I've bought in the last two years. And I'm literally tempted to buy a third pair, not open them, and just keep them in a safe place for the time when I do need them. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their support. Thank everyone for downloading. Do not forget, everyone, do not forget. TechCon Unplugged, September 20th through 22nd, Grand Rapids, Michigan. It will be the top link in the notes. TechConUnplugged.com. Jeff Halish, Paco are two of the best guys I think I've ever met, two of the nicest guys I've ever met, and two of the smartest guys I've ever met. If you would like to sit around and chat with people smarter than yourself, smarter than me, uh, then I definitely encourage you to come to TechCon Unplugged. September 20th through 22nd, 2019. It's, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, with that, I will talk to everyone again real soon. 
My name is Jeff Houch. I am the host of Podnuts the Computer Repair Podcast, where we take live calls on the air to answer your questions on running and operating your computer repair business every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check it out over at podnuts.com forward slash computer repair podcast live. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.